It's Angela Yee, and I'm telling you right now that the Alive Podcast Network app is the best directory of podcasts created for us by us. From relationships to making money moves, there's a show that'll captivate every listener. And for my fellow Black creatives, this is a call to action to take your brand and monetization to the next level. It's for the culture. Join the movement and sign up today. Sign up today to get a six-month subscription for $20. Visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com, coming soon to iOS and Android. It's time to set the stage for your life. Every sector of our lives is pretty much pretty much under construction. Family under construction. Career under construction. Relationships under construction. Emotions. I know mine live under construction. Finances under construction. We might as well be under, under construction, construction together. together. Welcome back to Under Construction with your girl Tamar Braxton. Happy February, y'all! I must say I'm excited to see what this month has in store for us. Starting with the Super Bowl game on Sunday. Listen, anybody headed to Tampa? I recently read that it's the first time in NFL history that the whole city's team is actually playing. I've always wondered about that. So shout out to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Now what I really want to know is what y'all think about this year's halftime show headliner? Yes, I don't know if y'all heard, but it's the weekend. Do y'all think he's going to give us the wow factor we've come to expect from the Super Bowl halftime shows? Like, you know, last year, Jennifer Lopez and Shakira tore the stage up. I mean, the stage was literally on fire, okay? Oh, I like The Weeknd and I love his songs, but I don't know if he can shake it like a tail feather like Jennifer and Shakira. But anyway, I can't wait to see what The Weeknd pulls together and this whole prosthetic makeup thing he's been rocking and, and whatever it has to do with this weekend's performance. I'm here for it. Can't wait to see it. Good luck the weekend. So coming up on The Blueprint, we're welcoming back the iconic Bevy Smith to share lessons learned and moments of gratitude in fashion, TV, radio, and now as an author. If you enjoyed last week, get ready, y'all, to be blessed. But first, it's time for our weekly affirmation. All right, y'all, I feel like I done earned this this week. Okay, so today's affirmation is, I own all of who I am. I will no longer apologize for what makes you uncomfortable. What? Can I? Did I hear amen? I, I thought I heard an amen. Did y'all hear that? Like, those days of me apologizing for speaking my truth, but feeling bad because it made you uneasy? Yeah. No, those days are long gone. Goodbye. Come on, somebody. Y'all got to say it with me now because this is a word. I own all of who I am. I will no longer apologize for what makes you uncomfortable. Tuh. I don't know if that bless you, but that sure bless me. Y'all better come on and get this good word today. Now, where my under construction saints at? I need to hear amen. All right. Amen and amen. All right. Today on Tamar Takes, we're getting a pulse on heart health. I know a lot of people look at February as the month of love, but it's also Heart Health Month. Did you know that nearly half a million deaths in 2018 was attributed to hypertension? I had no idea until I read this report the other day from the CDC. So look, every week throughout the month of February, I'm encouraging you to get out and walk or do something good for your heart. Now, I know many of us has been confined to our abodes, but we can't let that stop us from getting a good workout in, especially those representing the African-American community. Come on, y'all. Unfortunately, we're most at risk of developing high blood pressure. 
The CDC recommends that adults get at least two and a half hours of moderate exercise, such as brisk walk or bicycling every week. Y'all know I get mine in. So in an effort to help you get some steps in, please join me on our first under construction challenge. All you got to do is walk it while I talk it. Yep, walk it like I talk it. (laughs) That's right. I want you to send me some pictures and videos of you listening to the podcast while walking it out. I'm excited to share my video later today. Then I need you to join me. I mean, look, I shouldn't be doing this alone. We are all under construction together, right? Right. So all you have to do is post your pic or video to IG and tag at UC with Tamar or email it to UC with Tamar at gmail.com. That's the letters UC with Tamar at gmail.com. Look, I know this week's Tamar takes was a little bit different, but different is good, especially when it comes to caring for your health. So if you want to learn more about recommendations from the CDC, visit cdc.gov slash blood pressure. All right, I'm going to keep it a thou Hey, man, it is all me. All right, now, y'all, it's time to tap into that keep it a thou thou inbox and pull out a few questions for your girl. Let's see what we got today. Question number one. Hey, queen. So me and my dude have been together a little over four years now. I've cheated on him a lot. Some he knows about and others he doesn't. I was young, stupid, and I thought I wanted the world, but I had no idea he was my world. I am a new man and I have not cheated, nor have I had the urge. My problem now is I wonder if I should risk going to a rocky place by telling him what he doesn't know or keep it inside and move forward. Thanks in advance for the advice. What? So what you want me to do? <laughs> I mean, obviously, Larry, you don't respect or love your relationship and cherish your relationship or you wouldn't be out here giving it out on both sides of your legs. Like, what is that? I mean, I don't think you should further hurt anybody. I think what they know is what they need to know. And I mean, you really just need to go ahead and let that person free because you really don't want to be there. That's not it. Because being in a relationship means that you respect somebody and you respect all of them. And obviously, Larry, it's a lot of lacking of respect for them and for yourself. So if you're going to do anything, I suggest you go ahead on and cut that relationship off and be a a good person because that ain't it. All right. Question number two. Tamar, I've been feeling like I am nowhere near where I'd hoped I'd be at this point in my life. I must say, it's a little depressing at times, especially since I work so hard. Do you have any advice to help keep me focused and motivated? Thanks. Well, boo, if you stop now, you'll never get to where you're going or where you want to go. So you might as well keep on keeping on because you never know, you know, what's around the corner. You know, if you stop today, tomorrow could be your breakthrough. And then you did all of this work for nothing. So... You might as well keep on keeping it on and seeing it through to the end. I get like that too. I understand. But, you know, my ultimate goal is to make it, honey. And, you know, I have to see my goals manifest. And if I stop now, it's never going to happen. So keep on keeping on. All right. Well, I hope my feedback and suggestions prove to be beneficial to your situations. And if you'd like for me to share my perspective on anything from beauty secrets to baby daddies to business ventures, all you have to do is shoot your girl a note to UC with Tamar at gmail.com. That's the letters UC with Tamar at gmail.com. Look, y'all, I don't have all the answers, but you can count on me to always keep it a thou thou. Up next, we're going into the blueprint. (laughs) 
This, this is the blueprint. Come on, y'all. Let's go. Last week on the blueprint. This is the moment that you're going to really understand. And I'm talking to my ladies right now. Understand the things that are happening to you that no one else is willing to break down to the ground. Okay, define your hot girl then. A hot girl was exactly what it is now. Somebody who is in the mix. Somebody who can get into all the parties. Somebody who's escorted to VIP. And Mm -hmm. and you're drinking all the champs. All the ballers know you. All the rappers know you. You know, you get to go on the trips. You getting (laughs) handbags. People paying your rent. You getting flued out. You getting flued out before there was a flued out. Okay. (laughs) Y'all sound like y'all have a very functional relationship. Is that what happens when you get a little bit older? You want total function? Like, because I'd like a little bit of dysfunction for excitement. No. Why? No. I like a little bit of roughness. Praise God. Hallelujah. I like a little bit. Roughness in what way? Like, I mean, you want a guy that can, like, you know, perhaps you want a guy that can have sex with you in a rough kind of capacity, or perhaps you want a guy who can um, pr- um, protect you if you're ever out and someone gets drunk and unruly, but you certainly don't need somebody that y'all getting into it at home and having words with each other. We want to be oh. adults and have a nice, tame conversation about it. I, I do, I, but I, I would like to have 80-20. <laughs> <laughs> Because I got a lot of girlfriends that also fall into the trap of being with guys who will take out your trash and pick you up from the airport. See, all of that sounds like a handyman and a driver. It's like an assistant, don't that it? That sounds like an assistant. I don't... Yeah, you pay them and they take out your trash. Yeah. And they make sure things in the house is taken care of. Yeah, they have, make sure gas is in your car. Make sure your car is washed. Shit like that. Yeah, you are not my man. You cannot be my man. Now, Bestie Bev gave me so much life last week that we had to bring her back to close out our conversation. Yes, it was so good. Now, today we're diving into her career and how she didn't allow fear to keep her from living the life she knew she deserved. How about that? Well, look, y'all, I'm excited to speak to her about her story. But it's also beautifully compiled in her new book, Bevelations, Lessons from a Mother, Auntie, and Bestie. I refuse to, like, have an interview with the iconic Bevy without talking about your career. Like, what? that's what we're doing? We're going to do that? <laughs> what made you the most proud of yourself in your career? Wow. Um, there's a lot of big things. But I think probably being at Vibe Magazine in the 90s and actually breaking that glass ceiling of actually, you know, me and Emil Wilbekin my dear friend who was the fashion director of Vibe and then went on to become the editor-in-chief. We would go over to Milan and Paris, and this is back before any black celebrities were going to fashion shows and all of that. And we were breaking down the doors. And, um, you know, I broke all the big business, and no one believed that I could. When I got the Vibe, they said, you won't even be able to get a meeting with Gucci. Fast forward, it's been 20-some-odd years. I'm still a a Gucci VIP um, from the work that I did at Vibe. They said, you'll never be able to get a French brand like Dior. I broke Dior. I broke Prada, Armani, all the big, big, big brands. And I was able to do that as myself, as a dark-skinned, curvy, black woman with short hair who actually walked into a room and told people when they asked, where are you from? 
instead of saying from Manhattan, because I am from Manhattan, but more importantly, I'm from Harlem. And I walked into that room with my black identity and with my pride in my community. And I let them understand why they needed to be a part of the magic that Vibe was creating in the space. And I'm proud of myself that I educated those folks about how incredible Black folks are and that it wasn't a trend, that we had a lineage and we had a legacy of Black excellence. So when I brought them links and Hughes books or books about Jacob Lawrence, um, the Great Migration, or talk to them about James Vanderzee, you know, that was something that I was doing because I wanted them to not have any confusion because they were very impressed by Lil' Kim and Puffy and understandably so. But what you're not going to do is act like before them, we were just, you know, wearing mud cloth and, you know, walking around with no shoes on. No, 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 no. See, that's what makes you so doggone iconic. I mean, we could talk about your accolades all day long because there's lists and lists. It's a whole, come on, <laughs> so it's a book of those. But for me, and the beauty of it all is that you took something like fashion and opened the door to educate people about our people. Thank you. Listen, like whole th- only a brilliant person could think that way, you know, because people are going inside talking about, yeah, they want to talk about the rappers. Yeah, we want to talk about the newest fashion. We want to talk about how we can make this both lucrative for everybody around. Uh-huh. But before all of that, you're going to get this history lesson on my people. Yes. How about who's yes. that? Because, and let me tell you something else, Tamar, in life, yeah. you always have to walk into rooms and you can never assume that people will understand your legacy, your cultural legacy. You must always go into those rooms and you must let those people know that you've been singing since you were four years old and that you had your first lead in the church at six. So this is not a mistake or a fluke. You have to let people know your legacy. And I'm saying this to everybody that's listening to this podcast. We all have a legacy. We all have accomplishments. When we go into those rooms, especially in these corporate environments, we cannot let them think that, we're just here by accident or it's a fluke or we got lucky. No, sir, no ma'am. My parents laid this out for me. And then I stepped into my, my rightful place because they, they made it so beautiful for me. And then I was able to take it up a notch and then take it up a notch again. And okay. And so on and so forth. And that's why I love that we call this segment, the blueprint, you know, you set the stage for your life and your obstacles and your successes. There's there's something that you said earlier when you said um, Lil Bev shows up sometimes. What happened when Lil Bev showed up in Milan? <laughs> well, you know, when, when Lil Brown Bevy showed up in Milan, you know, uh-huh. that's when um, I believe that I really solidified my relationships. Because, you know, everything, all success in life is based around relationships. Yes. Which is why we should always try never to burn these bridges and things like that. Right. Um, but you know, when little Brown Bevy showed up in Milan, I let people see who I really was. And, um, I stopped the, um, big Bev show. I stopped the fashionista Bevy show and I stopped down and I let people see who I truly was. And little Brown Bevy charmed them because little Brown Bevy is the reason why I was able to go over there with all of that knowledge about yeah. black people. Because 
Big Bad from Uptown didn't have no time to sit down and read a book. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? It was Lil Brown Betty that was the studious one who was playing hooky and going to libraries. I literally yeah. used to play hooky in high school and go to the library. And that's wow. the reason why I have, um, you know, kind of a very vast knowledge about a lot of different things. Um, and so when Little Brown Bevy showed up, people were like, oh, oh, it's a little different than what they supposed it would be. And yeah. and that was something that gave me the courage to let her show up more. And and I will challenge you to do that, Tamar. To- well, you know, I've been to charm school three times. <laughs> the first two times I failed <laughs> miserably. <Yes>. <laughs> but <laughs> the last time it stuck. Just like when I got saved, the third time it stuck. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, that that also comes with um, culture and wanting different things. You know what I mean? Like we could sit up here and talk about, you know, having the thug or, you know, being, a, being in a, a little slightly um, verbally abusive relationship just for a little bit of drama, you know. But at the end of the day, that is not going to take you from here to there. You know what I mean? Because it's not cute. <laughs> it really isn't. And you have to figure out what it is that you really want in your life. And you yeah. have to figure out, again, like I said, who are you at your core and how you want to be perceived. Yeah. So you talked about in your book what it was like when you were no longer at the magazine and you didn't have your, your high-paying job anymore. And all of a sudden, you went from black car services to taxis and subways. And then trickled down to the bus. Yes. What? Because <laughs> you know there's a process. You don't just go straight from... <laughs> you go down, 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 down. Yes. And so when you ended up at that bus stop and <laughs> the gentleman... Stopped you was like, ain't you Bevy Smith? What is you doing at the bus stop? Sucking out a lollipop. Like, what is you doing here? <laughs> what did that make you feel like? How did you feel? Well, Were you ever humiliated? No, no, no. That story was actually really, really good. I lived on a really large avenue in Harlem. Um, mm-hmm. And right across the street was the bus stop. So, mm-hmm. like, I've gone broke. I've gone through my savings. I'm doing TV, though. So I'm on the VH1 specials and BT and on E. I'm doing all this stuff, right? And then I'm writing for Glamour Magazine and for Essence and all these at Paper Magazine. I'm doing all everything I wanted to do, but the money is not coming in. So I'm like, oh, okay. I really don't have no money to be taking these cars and all these taxis and things. Let me get on this bus. It's right across the street. So I was heading out. And I had a, a barbershop on my corner and the guy called me over and he was like, Beth, can I talk to you for a minute? I went over. He's like, you all right? And I was like, yeah, I'm good. Why? And he's like, now I just, I used to see you all the time in and out the town cars. And now you like, I seen you been, you've been taking the bus. You all right? And I was like, oh, no, no, no. Let me tell you what's going on with me. So I decided to change my life. So I quit my big fancy job and I've run out of money. And so, yeah, I'm just trying to figure it all out and everything. And so that's the reason why I have to take the bus because I really can't afford to do anything other than that. And he was like, oh, okay, but you all right? I was like, no, 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 I'm great. I said, my career is going really well. I'm doing everything that I set out to do. I'm just not making any money. And also, um, there's another part in the book where I talk about having to go to housing court and being recognized in housing court too was very interesting. Mm, <laughs> okay, I'm sure. You get that nice eviction notice and you got to go out. And then you had to take the subway too. So you're on the subway, going the way to housing court. It's like 40 minutes away from your home. You got to stand online. They pat you down. It's a horrible thing. But 
I got recognized there as well. And one of the things that the reason why I looked at it in a positive way is because I was like, well, look at that. I'm not even on a, a TV show regularly or anything, but yet people recognize me from the commentary work that I do on E and on BT and on VH1. That means I'm really doing a good job. And that means eventually I will get a TV show. So I took yeah. it as a sense of encouragement versus a negative thing. That's the way I looked at it. But also you have to remember something. I had no ego about it because one of the things that I don't want to get in any trouble, but I want to say this. So many people are perpetrating a fraud. So many people are living above their means. means um, so many people are driving amazing cars and wearing amazing clothes and living in subpar housing. You know what I mean? Or And ain't got a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out. Exactly. Of. So for me, it was lovely that I was actually kind of like, I was on the come up. Yeah. You was living in your truth at the time. I was living in my truth and I was working towards something. And it felt really good to know that it was no shame in my game. Because see, if if you can like go through trials and tribulations and let folks know exactly where you're at and not be ashamed of it, then you're winning. You're winning. We're speaking with Bevy Smith, also known as Bevy, author of Bevelations, Lessons from a Mother, Auntie, and Bestie. We'll be right back after the break. We're back into the blueprint to continue our conversation with Bevy Smith. You know, that's another place where we're parallel <laughs> uh, as well. Um, after Vince and I, after I left Vince, Logan and I moved into a two bedroom apartment. And a lot of people did not understand why I was telling people that. Yeah. Because I, I felt proud of it, actually. I'm like, well, I'm sorry. Here, pick me. Pick Tamar. Pick Tamar. I can afford this. <laughs> Hello. My bills are paid every single month. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, Tim, how come you don't go shopping anymore? Because for me right now, for if I go to Gucci with y'all and ball out of control and spend your whole check, fourteen, fifteen thousand dollars to me, I can do a lot with that yeah. with, with my with my kid being being a single parent in my two bedroom apartment on my way up. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I find that. My hard times made me appreciate my good times. I, yeah, if I didn't allow those bad times to really penetrate in my life and take the time to really understand being down, I would not have appreciated my ups. And that's why God won't let me fall. That's what I feel like. Oh, I feel like that too. I feel like, you that's know what? I, like. I looked at where I was at and I never felt discouraged. Yeah. You know, it took seven years between leaving Rolling Stone to get Fashion Queens. Mm-hmm. Um, and in between that, though, I created Dinner with Bevy, which was mm-hmm. my incredible business that really helped solidify my place in entertainment. Because of Dinner with Bevy, because I did dinners for everyone from Pharrell to Kerry Washington to Idris Elba, I had all these relationships with people. So when I got my job, Bevelations, when I got my radio show, Bevelations, mm-hmm. and when I got Fashion Queens, people were happy to come on the show because yeah. they already knew me. Yeah. And this, all of this is building towards something. You understand? Yeah. Like, I have goodwill in this entertainment business. You'd be very hard-pressed to find a black celebrity that doesn't have a kind word to say about me. I have Absolutely. great relationships in this space. And I'm very proud of that. And that's something I worked hard towards. And I worked towards that. And I built that. A lot, a lot of that was built on when I was broke but blissful. That's the chapter, broke yeah. but blissful. Broke and blissful. Yes. Okay, one more question before we go, because I was told to ask you about this. Two of them, two of them. 
When you said broken, blissful, that kind of rung a bell to me. What's life with vision? What's that concept? Oh my God, life with vision. So I created Dinner with Bevy and that was Mm -hmm. my stopgap measure. That meant I didn't have to go and give up my dreams and go get a job, right? Because I was like, something got to give. I done ran out of my savings. So I need some money to take care of myself and pay my parents' rent and everything. So what am I going to do? So I created Dinner with Bevy. Dinner with Bevy became so successful and so many celebrities were talking about it. And it was written up in various magazines and things like that, that um, consumers, you know, not celebrities wanted to attend them. So that was one thing I would get on social media and people be like, how can I come to a Dinner with Bevy? And then also I would be on social media talking about my journey and people would be like, can I buy you a cup of coffee? Can I pick your brain? All that kind of stuff. And I was like, well, no, you can't pick my brain because if I do that with everyone, I won't have any time to pursue my goals. So I decided to create a business called Life with Vision. And what it is, it's a symposium that I do, 50 to 75 people. And I match you up at tables based on what your dreams are. So you have to send in your resume and then Uh you have to tell me those three questions. Who are you at your core? How are you perceived? How would you like to be perceived? And based on your resume, those three questions answered and what your goal is for the future, I pair you up at a table with people who have like minds, like visions, so that you can communicate with other folks. But then I'm also up there talking about my life lessons and giving out real antidotes that you can take with you and apply to your life. Wow, that is amazing. Yeah, See, I, I didn't I tell you y'all was going to love this lady. I <laughs> told y'all. All right. Well, there's a life revision alumni. Oh, he is. I didn't know that. I didn't know that he told me to make sure I, I said, listen, I am interviewing uh, your girl in about 20 minutes. Is there anything that you would like for me to ask her? And he said, number one, life with vision. And then he says, ask her about it gets greater later. Oh, I love that. And I love that he wanted you to ask me that. It gets greater later. You know, Tamar, as you said, you got your career really in full on like uproar at the age of 35. Yeah. For so many young women out there, if they don't have it all the way together by the time they're 25, because you go on social media and you see so many people that you feel are high achievers and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so far behind. What am I doing with my life? Um, I want to say to you, it gets greater later. You know what I mean? I've had success in my life since I was 13 years old because I count leaving those bullies behind as a success. Yes. Okay. Okay. And I count going from being a receptionist at an advertising agency to being a media director to then going on to being a fashion advertising director and then being a fashion and beauty ad director. These are all levels, right? Yeah. But at 38 is when I really jumped out the window and I really went for it. And 38 is the time when you're really engaged in your career and you're usually at the height um, of you coming into the height of your earning potential. Yeah. 38 <laughs> means that traditionally you've been doing something for over a decade. So you've got some expertise and people know you and they come to you and they offer you a lot of money. Cause certainly mm-hmm. at 38 I, and that was 15 years ago, I was making a very nice six figure check. Very, yeah. very nice. And it wasn't a hundred thousand. It wasn't 200,000. Okay. And it was more Poor. than 300. Okay. So, and that was 15 years ago. And that was 15 Uh years ago. 
And mm-hmm. so a lot of people would have looked at that and been like, okay, well, great, you did it. No, no, no. Because now I look at what I've been able to accomplish since I left that job, since I left that life. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And this even goes back to the guy that I was going to marry. Had I married him, I would have never been a writer. I certainly wouldn't have written this book. I would have never been a world traveler. Sure, I would have been on a few trips. But now I've been to every continent in the world except for Antarctica. Wow. You better come on. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I've been to a hundred plus countries. Um, I would have never been um, a radio host. I would have never been a TV personality. I wouldn't have been all these things had I like, had I not dared to dream. I dared to dream. And I, and that's because I knew it, it gets greater later. Cause my mom was 38 years old when I was born and she was foxy and beautiful and vibrant and all the things. So I didn't grow up in a household where age was a negative thing. So my mom was always proud to tell her age. She's 92 now. She's phenomenal. She still gets dressed up. I was just on vacation. My friend brought over some food. He was like, you know, your mother came to the the door to pick up the food in a full-on beautiful dress. She had on makeup and she had on perfume. (laughs) And I was like, that's my mom. Yes. And so... Oh, I'm going to let that nice New York City go by. <laughs> um, but, but that's what It Gets Greater Later is about. So because so often we compare ourselves and we compare our journey to others. Don't do that. Run your own race. Run your own race. And with knowledge and wisdom comes even greater experiences. So the things that you're about to embark upon now, Tamar, in your early 40s, but wait until you get into your 50s. You know, Oprah and all those ladies, they talk about the 60s are really where it's at. I can't wait until I get into that. I've already seen a glimmers of that, you know, because I'm, I'm morphing into something else. Yeah. I'm already on to another path. And this book is going to yeah, take me there. Because this book is going to show people the sum total of Bevy Smith. Because right now, folks either think of me as that fashion lady or they think of me as the pop culture lady. But this book is going to let them see the full totality of who I am. And then that puts me in a different room. It puts me in a different space. It puts me in a different arena. And then watch me work. And then watch me twerk. Okay, boo. Come on now. Mm. (laughs) It gets greater later. It gets greater later. Oh, my God. That is so true. I mean, because we all have, like, um, this fear of getting older and what that means You know, we are all afraid of being the oldest person in the room. And not, but I don't now. Like now I like it. Like I love being in a room filled with younger people because I learn from them and they learn from me. And it's really lovely and reciprocal. But also too, I'm not in competition with that. Like I had such an amazing run at my youth. Like I ripped and ran with the best of them. You know, I was friends with Tupac and with Biggie. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I was, I did it big, way big in the best time in which to do it when money was flowing in the streets and in the music industry. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, you know, if I saw the name and all the famous people I had screwed, you know, okay, that'd be a totally you know different what? type of book. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, it's some folks that's, you know, still real, you know, super starters, you know, so, you know. Listen, you know how I feel about you. I love you to pieces. I love you and too. And let me tell you something. I believe all of the listeners that listen to Under Construction every week, 
love you to pieces too. Please tell the people where it's best for them to grab a copy of this book, Bevelations. Oh my God, it's so good. So grab Bevelations, Lessons from a Mother, Auntie Bevy, anywhere where books are sold. Like it's literally a book that's everywhere. Everywhere, worldwide. Get your life. Get your okay. life. It's Amazon, it's Barnes and <laughs> Nobles, it's your local bookstores. It's your local black bookstores. It's everywhere. And it's a really good read. And it is filled with lessons that are practical and they're real. So it's none of this thing where I'm like sitting up like I'm a guru. Nope. I'm down here with y'all. I'm going to tell you how I figured it out so that hopefully you can figure it out too. Oh my gosh. It was everything I told y'all this book was at the beginning (laughs) of this whole thing. Didn't I tell you? Okay, so we've come to the point in the show where we share our greatest lessons. I just wanted to know what would you say has been your greatest takeaway from today's conversation? Oh, wow. When I look back on my life, my life really started changing once I decided to take control of my narrative and I dared to dream. Mm. And I didn't put any limitations on my dreams. Sometimes we dream small. Sometimes we don't even tell ourselves who we really want to be because we're afraid to even tell it to ourselves. And that's a problem. So, you know, what I would say to everyone is to speak out loud about your abundance, about who you are going to be and what you're trying to manifest. Because I'll tell you something else. Folks talk about haters and all of that. What I found in my life is that anytime I've ever tried to get anything accomplished, I've had so many people come to my aid and help me. And people will show up if you've shown up for them. As my daddy, Gus Lee Smith, always used to say, you only get out what you put in. Come on. So put in a lot. Put Pour into people. Be there for people. And don't be predatory in your relationships. Don't be sitting up networking because that person is powerful and X, Y, Z, but you, you don't even speak to the receptionist. Because guess what? I was a receptionist once. And by the time I was 25, and I was an executive. So if you played me out when I was a receptionist, okay, what you think happened when I saw you when I was an executive? Period. <laughs> Period. And, and uh, shout out to Roland Ray. Purr. Purr. Okay. <laughs> DMV Zone. Yes, DMV Zone. I love Roland Ray. That's my baby. You know, Miss Lawrence um, brought me a Roland Ray message for my birthday. Really? Yes, because I'm obsessed with him. I love Roland Ray. I love him. I loved him since Divorce Court. Yeah. I heard he was on Divorce Court. I'm going to have to go Google that. <laughs> Iconic. <laughs> Iconic. Purr. Okay. All right. That's what he first said that Beyonce calls and checks up on him. Right. Okay. That is his friend. And everybody laughed at him. And I believed him. I don't know why I believed him. Because he was just so fabulous to me. And then we saw he got that big old Ivy Park shipment. Yes. And he bought her that big ass 82 inch TV for his birthday. See, I, I love Rolling Ray too. Yes. We have a lot of parallels. Hey, yes, we do. Yes, we do. And I love you, Tamar. Okay. I love you too. I love you too. And I think that my biggest takeaway is always be the red apple, you know, always stay learning, always stay wanting to grow and wanting to be better and better and better. Well, it gets greater later, right? I was just about to say, just like you said, it gets greater later. Suppose you put the apple down and it's green. Look how much growth you would have missed. Keep going. Embrace your older years. Embrace your time. First of all, it's precious. Okay. And and second of all, if you're here, you're here because you have time. Enjoy it. 
It gets greater later. I mean, it just doesn't get any better than that. Everybody, Bevy Smith. Thank you. Revelations, lessons from a mother, auntie, bestie. Get into it by the book. Okay. You done came over here and shut the blueprint down. Who who could come after you? Like, it's crazy. I love you so much. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it was oh, so fun. Well, friends, that's our show for the day, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And if you would like to share your under construction journey with me, all you have to do is shoot me an email to ucwithtamar at gmail.com. That's the letters ucwithtamar at gmail.com. And as always, you know I love you, and I mean it, because we're all under construction together. Bye. Under Construction is a production of Mo Sauce, a Stitcher brand. It's produced by Angel Lavis. Our recording engineer and sound designer is Rashad Smith. Our executive producer is T-Square. Music provided by Radio, an audio everywhere company.